Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast that's a platform for mothers who are artists and creatives to share the joys and issues they've encountered while continuing to make art. Regular themes we explore include the day-to-day juggle, how mothers' work is influenced by their children, mum guilt, how mums give themselves time to create within the role of mothering, and the value that mothers and others place on their artistic selves. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter, and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, together with music played, how to get in touch, and a link to join our lively and supportive community on Instagram. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Boantic people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is recorded on. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest this week is Amy Siegfried. Amy is a podcaster and entrepreneur based in Tulsa, USA, and is a mum of one. Originally from Las Vegas, Amy's athletic career was short-lived, but she fell in love with the world of sport. That learned love for sport came in handy when she embarked on her career in professional sports, working as an intern in a major league baseball club. She's lived internationally, which provides her with a global sports perspective. It was while working in this male-dominated world that Amy thought, as women, we're constantly hurdling unrealistic expectations, but what if she could make that easier? After having the initial idea 14 years earlier, Amy founded her company Last Night's Game with her brother. It was born out of the idea of how do you go to work in a male-dominated world and converse in sports? Not the stats, not the things that happen on the field or on the court. Things like food, travel, celebrity gossip, and music associated with significant sporting events. Think the Super Bowl halftime show, WAGs, sports fashions, and the off-field goings-ons. They launched their email publication and website first, then four years later, the podcast, entitled Sports Curious, was born. They believe in short and sweet, emails are about three to four minute read, and podcasts a maximum of five minutes supplying interesting tidbits of information that you might be able to use to start a conversation with a sports fan. Amy's career spans marketing, partnerships and public relations, and she's also presented a TEDx speech. Music used in today's episode is from Alemjo, an Australian new age and ambient music trio, comprised of myself, my sister Emma Anderson and her husband John. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Amy. It's a real pleasure to meet you and to have you today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So whereabouts are you at the moment? You're in the US? Yes, I am in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Oklahoma, for those who are not familiar, just right above us. I, I like to call it Texas, the Texas hat. So just because there's like a cowboy hat to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool way of describing it. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm from Las Vegas and most people have heard of Las Vegas. So I'm from... Yeah, so you're originally from Las Vegas. So mm-hmm. um, you've lived in other places around the world too. Whereabouts have you have you been? We well, I've lived across a couple of places in the U.S. Obviously, from Las Vegas, lived in Phoenix, and we lived in Singapore, and now we live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, right. That would be pretty exciting living in Singapore. It was a, it, it was a really exciting. And um, someone actually asked me yesterday if I missed it, and I said yes. There's certainly pluses and minuses to everything being. 26 hours of flying time away from your family is a little far, but um, there's so many wonderful things. And uh, I said to someone 
they're like, what do you miss? And like the food and the diversity. I just love the mix of people. And, and uh, that's what I really learned to appreciate. And I think the more that I've traveled, the more I've under, I, I understand that basically everyone's the same. We all want the same few things for ourselves, for our families, and it's safety, it's food. And, you know, we want to be have, have good health. And so, I mean, that's truly what we, we all want. And the, the more you travel, the smaller the world becomes because that same, it's the same interwoven um, vein through no matter where you live and mm. what language you speak. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Like, because often we say, oh, we're all so different and blah, blah. But yeah, when it comes down to it, we all, we all have our needs, our basic human needs for survival, don't mm. we? Yeah. Right. That's really all. I mean, when it comes down to it, when, when all things hit the fan, like that's all you really need in the, in the, in the, the, in the big pictures. And so I think that's just really the interesting part of, um, and everyone bonds over food and different things and it may be different food and it may be different drink, but everybody bonds over food and different things. So it's really kind of fun. And that was one big thing when we traveled a lot, we always did cooking classes. Ah, right. Because that was a great way to get into learning just local food and local cultures and why this ingredient versus that. And so it's kind of interesting. Mm. And like, yeah, what's important? What do they value? Mm-hmm. And why do they use what they mm-hmm. use? And mm-hmm. yeah. Ah, that's really cool. I love that insight. So you are a podcaster, amongst other things. Um, I know you do a lot of different things, but tell us about your podcast because it's really cool. You're very kind. Thank you. So um, I created a company called Last Night's Game. Uh, my brother is also my co-founder. Um, and I'll give you a quick synopsis of it, but it was born out of the idea I used to work in major baseball. I worked for the Arizona Knicks, and I had all these girlfriends who knew nothing about the world of sports and we were in our early 20s. And I thought, how do you go to work in a male-dominated industry of manufacturing or law or whatever that might be and not have even just a baseline of what's happening? You, you have no idea. It's some big, it's maybe the Olympics they might know, but I mean, it's one of those where they didn't have any, I think there's a scoop, the Super Bowl or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And so how do you go in the office and not have just that baseline? And so um, I called my brother who was in high school at the time, intern. So I was making a lot of five twenty-five an hour, and um, you know, okay, we need to figure out how we teach our friends about sort of the interesting side of sports, the not the stats, not the things that happen on the field or on the court, the interesting things about sports. Why, kind of like cooking, like why do you have this ingredient versus this ingredient? And and so he was like, ah, oh, that's a really great idea, Amy. But I'm in high school and you work eighty hours a week, so uh, no. And so that was uh, 14 years before we started last night's game. And um, when we were moving back from Singapore, I realized that uh, no one was hiring because it was Thanksgiving in the U.S. And no one really hires between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Um, and so we, I sort of said, OK, well, I have about a month and a half to sort of let's give this a shot. And so we started that and um, it was ugly in the beginning. You know, we were it was not a pretty product by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and so we rolled that out in about probably four years after we rolled out our email, tri-weekly email publication and our website, uh, we rolled out a podcast. And, and the way we do our email publication as well as our podcast is we believe in short and sweet. Emails are about a three minute read. You can click for more information if you want it, but just read through the, the headlines if you'd like. And then um, the podcast is about five minutes and we cover sort of what's happening 
in the world of sports at this time. Typically, it's around something like a five things to know about. Uh, we just did five things to know about the Masters was just last week. Um, we were talking about Major League Baseball season. And um, we'll do stuff about Earth Day actually this week on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so we um, we sort of try to cover things that are interesting that you might be able to start a conversation with someone who is a sports person. And well, the way I always see, see sports, and I use it myself this way, is it's a great foray into conversation, but it also has this great um, plethora of roads out of the sports conversation. You can talk about food. You can talk about travel. I mean, if you want to tweak in fashion, celebrity gossip, I mean, you can really weave it all in together. And so that's how we kind of, we talk about sports and that's how we cover them. Um, because no one, no one's interested in, you know, the stats and this and that. They really want to know the stories and that's how we all talk, right? We talk about the stories of our travels or whatever that might be. So our kids, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of how we cover sports. Something makes it interesting. Mm, no, I love that because you're right. It can be incredibly intimidating because it, it mm-hmm. is a, it's a man's world. Um, it, for you know, we're trying to make it better. I know over here in Australia, we have the women's um, football, the AFL football league, and we have women's mm-hmm. soccer and we have women's cricket. But you know, we're always seen as like the poor cousin of the men's game, um, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. So in that, it can feel very daunting to try and converse in a, a sports world because you feel like you're going to be judged because you're all right to start with, unless you know what you're talking about. Um, Right. So your episodes, they're short, sweet to the point. How often do you bring out your episodes? Or every week. Yeah. Every once in a while we'll roll out a bonus episode on something. Um, But yes, every week. So it's been, it's been fun. It's just, my whole theory is our, our email publication is Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And the podcast is once a week, because I feel like if you're truly not, in the ESPN sports world, then you are, um, you're trying to digest what you read. And I think sometimes there's so much information coming at you. So if you can have a day or two to digest what you read in your email or a day or two or a week to listen to that podcast, even though it's short, it gives you a chance to process and then execute it in your conversations. Mm, that's it, isn't it? You can put it, put it into practice and test it out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. Give it a whirl. Yeah. I want to ask you, what was it like being a woman working in that bas- uh, baseball environment? It was, it was interesting. Now, there, my, now, I worked in the community relations department and the foundation, so we were female heavy in that department. Mm-hmm. But um, it was definitely different. It was definitely interesting because it truly is a man's world. And you kind of have to get in there. And I probably blame them for my, my mouth spews four letter words and uh, some of those other things. Um, but it's, it's definitely, it's an adjustment and it's, it's really interesting because you are in a, even more so in a man's world, you're in a world of, of men where a lot of them were always told how great they were always built up because there are these athletes, they are these celebrities, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you 99.9% of them are fantastic. Their dads, their brothers, their husbands, they're great men. And so that is, I mean, I don't want to give anybody a bad, 
a bad reputation at all, but it was definitely one of those things that you had to be mindful as a woman of what you were doing, where you were, who you were with. And so that's kind of just one of those things that you really do have to, you know, and stand your own ground when it came to things where they maybe things maybe got uncomfortable. There were comments you made. Mm -hmm. I got really good at just sort of brushing off and, and, and giving a hard time and going, all right, well, move along, you know, type of thing. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's, it's funny how you just, it's it's a life skill though um you know mm -hmm. when I met my my husband my father-in-law has that personality where he always tries to make comments or funny things he always tries to like get under your skin and not in like a mean way but he yeah. wants to get your reaction yeah and so I had that skill from the my white work in baseball that really turned into a benefit of give my my my, sh my short witty com comebacks to him where I'm like oh yeah okay well let me get you on this one you know so yeah it's um yeah it's it's definitely life's going. I would just say it's one of those things that, if, as long as you res, you you respected yourself, you really were you were fine. You really had to push for what you wanted though, and for who maybe career jumps because there were certain jobs that women just didn't do. And mm -hmm. um, we have our first. Um, there's a woman who's uh, Alyssa Nakin, who's the like she's about a year and a half into her career as a baseball coach for a major league baseball team, and she's the first. Um, woman to coach on the field. Uh, mm -hmm. She's an assistant baseball coach for the San Francisco Giants. And so it's neat to see, you know, in baseball, we have, and in football, we have quite a, American football, we have quite a few uh, female coaches, not head coaches, but mm -hmm. they're factored in there in one way or another. So it's nice to see that these women are pushing through that boundary and saying, I don't, I don't care that this is a locker room situation. I, I'm a good coach. I'm really good at what I do. I'm the best you can hire. Forget that I'm a woman. Yeah. I'm the best that, that that's out there. And so it has been really neat and really motivating to see women step up into those roles. And I know we talked a little bit about earlier about women in sports, but it's been really neat. So we have the, the March Madness college basketball tournament that happens here in the, the U.S., um, the men's tournament and the women's tournament. And it's a, a whole bracket, single elimination that drives the country crazy for a month of yep. just solid basketball. And this year they've really built up the women's tournament and the numbers have gone through the roof because people are watching because great basketball, great mm. sport. They're very talented. And so that is really neat for us as a company that covers sports. You know, we cover the headlines. And so sometimes that is maybe mostly American football versus throwing in something when it's mm -hmm. mostly going to be men's sport. That's what people are talking about. But I really love turning on ESPN here and having the break, the first story of SportsCenter a woman's sports story. Mm. And that to me is really cool because where we've tried to, we definitely, I will say that definitely because we're women, women led that I steer the conversation toward women's sports where I can. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really neat to not have to steer it because it's all of a sudden it's already surfacing <laughs> on its own. And yeah. that is a really cool thing to see, even in, we've been around for uh, about six years. And so it's been really neat to see how that has morphed Mm -hmm. been covering sports in general um you know with the beginning it was let's talk about so-and-so's wife or girlfriend and now it's turned into star was out there taking names doing what she does best and that's really cool mm. yeah that would that would be a, a really interesting part of what you're doing is being able to watch that evolution and let's hope it continues to go because, I hope so too oh. <laughs> I hope so too. And I, it, mm. it, and I think that leads a lot of um, faith and motivation for women's sports in other countries. I mean, mm. I look, we're, we're, we're heading to um, Australia for the women's world cup next year. 
Yeah, right. And so um, we have a dear friend who lives in Perth. So we're going to go visit him and go to some games with our kiddos. And um, I look forward to it's the right season. What else can we fit in there? What else can we see? Mm. And, um, you know, learning for me, he also did a, our friend Toby. So shout out to you, Toby, um, did a whole write up for us on rugby. Yeah. Because that's a whole thing that we're slowly here. We've we've kind of grown more lacrosse Mm -hmm. than rugby, but it's really a fun sport that people, my brother played rugby in college. And so it's neat to learn so much about, and it's fun to, for us to bring a different perspective on the world and sports just joins every, they join one together. And so it's really neat to be able to share some of those um, insights into other sports that maybe are more, much more popular in other countries. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then I think um, the, the closest we get to your, your um, American football is obviously Super Bowl. That is like, they put it on morning, probably morning, like mm-hmm. 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, and of course, everyone wants to see who's like the halftime show is like the biggest exactly. thing in the world. But that in itself, you know, connects people, even though a lot of us don't get what's happening, but they're right. involved in the spectacle, you know, they, they you get caught up in the whole atmosphere of it. And you can sort of, you know, relate to some aspect of it to allow you to join in and and have fun with it I guess even if it is just the halftime show but (laughs) right that's I think that's why Super Bowl is just our favorite because it does take into account um the game itself and that's interesting because you can tell stories about the players but there's Mm. so much that happens around the Super Bowl and that's you know once again going back to food and I think I'm going to screw up the numbers but I think it's like six billion chicken wings are eaten in the U.S on Super Bowl Sunday, it's obscene. Wow. And um, it's just so, it's so neat to look at the commercials and all the other things that mm-hmm. we see. And the last Super Bowl was in LA. So you had this huge celebrity presence. And that's just a really, like, that is a perfect storm for someone like last night's game, because we love the non-sporty side of that. And that really mm-hmm. it, it does give everyone something to talk about. Yeah, that's it. It's like, yeah, who cares about the game? But what was what right. did this singer sing and Even what I were they wearing? Care about the game? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about your family. You mentioned the the kids. You're going to bring them out to Australia to to come to the to the soccer we call it soccer no football what do you call it over there do you call it soccer or football we call it soccer you call it soccer. yeah we call it soccer and then sometimes we call it football depending if the if the europeans are around it gets called football <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> but it's too confusing because we've got afl out like australian rules football and then we've also mm-hmm. got rugby league and we've got rugby union so there's like four different footballs so like, um, <laughs> it's too so confusing we're just the black the black and white one. That's the one we're going with. Yeah. 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 Um, the round so I have a, exactly, exactly. So I have a little munchkin and he is three and a half. Mm-hmm. I affectionately refer to him as the tiny human. Um, <laughs> and you know, he's, he's, he's been trying to break in here for the past few minutes. Um, and he's a, he's a great little dude. And so we'll bring him on his first big trip, mm-hmm. um, to, to Australia. And we'll, I think we're gonna take him to Singapore too. And we figured why we're in Perth, you might as well take the five hour flight North. Oh yeah. And go check out, go back to Singapore. Cause we haven't been back since, um, since we moved in 2015. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. And, and it's going to be neat. I love, I love showing him 
women who could do great things in sports. And I have this big, um, this big thought process of women really need to be able to teach their children or coach their kids sports teams. Mm -hmm. And because I think that's important for them to see leadership in all facets, you know, they see, they see us lead in the home, um, probably in at work or whatever else we might do, but that's one spot where you can also lead. And I mean, I'm, I'm not going to coach high school football because I know nothing about what football strategy, but, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting to, we're on, he's playing in his first soccer team this year and he's three and a half. And I mean, he's mostly about digging holes in the dirt, (laughs) crying on the sideline and snacks, which is fine. All fine. We're there. We try, well, we try to get him to go into the game, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like, that's the one next year I'm going to put my hand up and say, how can I, how can I help? Because I think it's important for them to see that leadership and, and not just the moms coaching the girls teams, but the moms coaching the boys teams. And so um, I think that's just, you know, it's one more step of leadership where we continue to show uh, our children how we can lead. And when they're that little, it's, it's the time commitment is much different than obviously when they're much, much older, but Mm-hmm. I just, I feel like that's just another way to, to continue to show up and continue to show we're just as worthy as anybody else to, to lead a team and to, to continue to motivate a group. So mm. Absolutely. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't motivate my own child to get on the field. So I'm not sure how that works for everybody else, but. Uh... <laughs> oh, I couldn't relate to that story about your son because my little fella, he's now 14. He here like Australia is a big sporting country like the sport culture especially in a country town yeah you know winter is footy and netball and summer is tennis and cricket like that's it and um for a child that's not a massively interested in sport that's really challenging um and we learned pretty early on that Alex wasn't going to be a a traditional sports player um (laughs) We tried to get him to play soccer and I remember he just used to run around. There was this other little <laughs> boy who just used to run around with him and they'd just be off down the end of the pitch doing whatever. Uh-huh. Everyone else is concentrating really hard, taking it really seriously. And they're just like rolling around. <laughs> We're yep. like, okay, this is our Sunday morning. So, yeah. Um, so what does he do? Did he? What kind of activities did he get into? Well, he ended up, he played um, baseball for a while actually. Okay. And he really enjoyed that because we worked out that he liked things that changed often and okay. everybody got a turn because the thing with soccer, it's unless you're very good, you're not going to get near that ball. So I think mm. he worked out pretty quick that he wasn't at the level that perhaps some other kids were and that he was getting left out. So that led to the messing around sort of thing. Um, but, you know, baseball's awesome. Everyone lines up, everyone gets a bat. Um, it changes quick because often they'll get out, you know, three, three are out and off they go. And then you run out into the field for a while and you mess around out there for a bit and then you come back. So that was, it was perfect for him. And he did that for, I think probably three seasons. And now he's, he's doing some music and some other things, but That's you know, fantastic. it was he, really he takes after good. You with creativity. Oh, it was just really good. Um, my other son's going to be completely different. It's like, we're trying to actually just wait till he gets a bit older because he, he'll do anything. Um, so we sort of don't want to start just driving him around to everything. Just right, exactly. Be careful what you wish for. Yes. Yeah. But he's going to, I think he'll take that traditional route. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's and, and as a country town in Australia, baseball hasn't been a massive thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, certainly they have the teams in, in the cities, but 
you know, games like that are awesome. And I, I had no exposure to baseball growing up. So that was a real learning curve for me, working out how the game actually flowed. And was that, was that um, I don't know, the foul balls used to get me all the time. I'm like, why aren't they trying to catch it? And it's like, well, it's a foul. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, <laughs> it's, so yeah. It's, it's a learning. And that's, I think that's the most interesting thing about sports is you can learning something new. And like, it's like cricket. Mm-hmm. I have, I know nothing about cricket minus, you know, the bowler and a couple of different things and there's tea breaks that I mean, yes. I'm here for. Yes. We have that morning and afternoon for. tea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for that. And it's just so funny. Cause I'm like, wait, this mat, you go to a sporting event that can last for five days. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> you know, and so, but it's so neat to, to continue to evolve and learn. And when you can find a team or someone to get on board with. So when we moved to Singapore, they have an F uh, formula one race there. Mm-hmm. We'd never watched formula one. Um, I'm a daughter of a mechanic and a car guy. And so I, we would watch NASCAR and we would watch all the race car stuff, yep. but I'd never watched formula one. And we thought, well, my husband, I thought, well, we need to kind of learn this because it's happening like right in front of our house. Yeah. And yeah. so it was so fun because once you get into it and you start paying attention, you start learning all the little quirks, you start learning all the little things and the different characters, right. Of mm. different athletes. And so it's, I, I wish that some of those sports were more readily available for us to see in the U S and um, mm-hmm. because I do think there's just such a cool opportunity to learn and to dive in. And, um, if you ever need a one-on-one on any sports, just holler because I have it. So <laughs> uh, we have a, we have a bunch of them on our website because it is, it's sports gamble, sports betting, and those kinds of mm-hmm. things that make the game more fun or might get you involved somehow. And so it's, how do you make it once again, going back to how do you make it relatable? Mm. Yeah. You know, how do you get yeah. someone interested just a little bit? Yep. No, I love that. Um, two things I just thought of when we're talking about that. I, I love Formula One and we had our um, Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne just last weekend, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. just so great. Um, but I've had a friend I, I worked with who was watching Drive to Survive on Netflix, the show mm-hmm. about the the whole thing, which apparently isn't in perf- isn't perfectly true. Apparently there's some drivers who have said that they, you know, change the plot slightly I mean it's got to be interesting for television I can understand that right exactly Um, but since she was watching that now she's really interested in watching Mm -hmm. them in real life so that is really cool I've heard that Um, from quite a few people actually yeah and you're right like the characters like it's literally like you have the goody and the baddie and you Uh know it it could be set up any way you like to take it but this is pretty exciting I like I like I'm liking where this is going um but also what you said about um over the years, like I'm a big horse racing fan mm-hmm. and um, a lot of the races you go to around here, they have a, they have the, the fashions on the field where you can get dressed up and win prizes and stuff. And I, a lot of people have come to the races with me because they want to dress up. And then when sure. they get there, then I try and explain to them how to put a bet on or, um, mm-hmm. you know, how to follow this this particular trainer or like pick them out by the colors or you know you go down to the stalls and see the horses and but that's mm-hmm. the thing that what that's what brings them in and then they can you know get involved right. in whatever way they want that's so, exactly it yeah it's that little hook it's just like your son he needed once he realized he needs something that changed a little more rapidly that got him involved and it's like that's once you get that little hook mm. then you start to, to develop all that around it and it is really neat. And it's neat to see how they've, they've started. I mean, now that you have all these different uh, TV streaming platforms that um, they're, they're taking these stories like drive to survive and different things that they're making them interesting where you're, you're getting a little bit more of the, 
the behind the scenes and the human interest of story of the mm. sport versus just the the stuff you see on the actual game. Yeah. And I think that's, as a woman, I think it's, you need to make connections with people. I think like, that's what, I mean, that's what certainly draws me to Formula One. Like I love hearing the drivers, what they're thinking. And, and they do have a lot of access mm-hmm. to people these days. Like people are very generous with their time. Um, and I love watching them. I'm talking about Formula One again, but before a race, um, <clears throat> pardon me, they do a, the Sky News in or Sky in the UK mm-hmm. have the the rights for it. And they do this pit, the pit lane walk and they'll walk through yes. the actual crowd of all the, the drivers that are actually on the grid they're actually ready to drive and they will walk through and chat to like maybe the race director or the chief engineer, whatever. And people are just, they'll just chat for like two or three seconds and off they'll go. And the access to people is incredible these days, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then like, you get to know the race directors, like people love Toto, like they, people have their, their favorite people that they go for because they've made a connection with a person. Mm -hmm. So they go for that team, you know? Um, So I think that's a massive part. And that's the thing that I think, for so long um having men in charge and I'm putting that in inverted commas air quotes of sport only gave it it was only sort of interesting from one perspective it was interesting from what was on the field or what was on the track or whatever but you get women involved and you get the behind the scenes and you find out that Christian Horner's married to one of the Spice Girls you know you find out all this stuff that you would never Mm -hmm. men because men don't care about but as women we're like interested in people so mm-hmm. we bring so much to the sporting world. Right. That's a really, and I think that is it truly that, that gives you um, a buy-in, if you will, to a team or a driver, because the more you, I mean, that's truly think about it. When you go to a sporting event as a kid, if you get a t-shirt or you catch a ball or you get an autograph or whatever, you have any sort of interaction with that team besides just showing up and eating off a, you know, a pretzel or some popcorn. Yeah. It's, it continues to get that buy-in right now. You have an affinity. You feel like you have an affiliation to that team. Mm-hmm. And so the more that we can buy into really learning to love a team and whoever that might be, whether it's an athlete or the story behind a team, I think it's so important. I mean, it truly mm-hmm. is. It goes into that whole branding perspective, right? Of the more you can tell your story and direct the conversation you want it to be, the more you're going to get people to buy in and get excited about it. So mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's awesome. And you're seeing a little bit of that here. There's still some sports that are U.S. sports that are a bit resistant to that, but um, you're for the most part, you're seeing a lot of them who are progressive saying, "All right, sure, let's put a microphone on the guy in you know in the outfield or yeah, yeah. cover our pre cover the preseason training on HBO." And so it's been it's it's neat to see. And you know, I always talk about sports and the way I kind of rationalize it because when we first started last night's game, people were like, "Oh, it's sports for dummies." I'm like, "Well, no." because nobody's a dummy everyone's smart at their own thing yeah um and so i think to me i look at that and say okay this is just another tool in your tool belt you know we watch the news to have information about what's going on in the world and we whatever we're into we might study our craft or follow people on instagram and learn different things and this is just one more tool in our tool belt to be successful and i think that to me that's walking into a conversation being able to pull from a couple of different hats that I might have and say, okay, talking to this guy here from Texas, I bet I could talk to him about, I don't want to talk to him about politics because that's just messy. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I could probably talk to him about football because it's football season, whatever that might be. And so it's just having that extra armor uh, to be able to get on a conversation, that extra tool to be able to shift a conversation into what is comfortable for you. 
that allows you to create that connection with someone and hopefully a lasting relationship. Mm. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? No, I love it. I think it's awesome. And you're right. It's not sport for dummies. You're not, you're not like teaching people the rules of something. Like you're actually, right. you're like you said, you, you're relating it to, to an, an aspect of real life, I suppose. And so then mm-hmm. it, it allows you to bring it into life without, you know, you're not memorizing stats or that right. sort of stuff, you know? Yeah. It's right. really, what's the word? I can't think of what the word I was thinking of, but anyway, <laughs> that word, let's just leave that thing. <laughs> Your son is three and a half. So how do you find the time to do all this stuff? How does it work? Well, it, it definitely helped. Um, so I went back to school to get my my MBA uh, when he was one and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happened to be about three months before everything locked down for COVID. So um, that was a whole perspective shift. I already knew my life was going to be busy and busier, if you will. And so it's kind of funny how, you know, I, the reason I did that is I, I love to continue to learn. I love to continue to evolve. And I was talking to a friend who had earned her uh, master's and she was like, do it now. Because when they're seven or eight, you're missing birthday parties, you're missing baseball games and they know you're gone at one mm-hmm. and a half. They don't know you're gone. And so um, that was this huge, I think it took me as, pe- as people know, who when you become a parent, whatever you did before, I don't know, you know, you're like, you could get that everything done in two and half the time, because you just, you have to consolidate your time and your work effort. And so I would say that I've just learned to work at this little more of an elevated perspective and an elevated pace. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, it's, it's, it's also for me, it's trying to figure out how to streamline things. That's a big piece of what we do because it's my brother and I, and he works halftime. He's sort of my sports He's my information cultivator. He's the one bringing in the information, mm-hmm. giving that to me. I write it. We, we handle all the writing. I do all the editing for the podcast, um, social, all the things. And for me, it's, I feel like that's, sorry, this is a very roundabout way to answer your question. Oh, no, way. no, go for it. Um, but it's, uh, it's streamlining work. And that is truly streamlining it to make sure I can get done what I can done in my, my, the time frame I've given myself but also giving myself a little bit of a break. And that's something I didn't do during school that I've had to reteach myself mm-hmm. is, you know, I get up early. I work usually before he wakes up. I get everybody out the door. Then I work in the, you know, during the day. And then I pick him up from school about five o'clock mm-hmm. and somewhere in there, I try to get in a workout just to keep my sanity. Yeah. And then we do dinner. And some days I go back to work after bedtime and some days I don't. And that's one thing, like I said, I had to kind of retrain my brain because after during school, after bre- bedtime, I would get to my computer and do schoolwork mm-hmm. probably till midnight, one o'clock, and then get back up again and 
five o'clock and, and go all over again. Oh gosh. And so I actually found that I'm more productive when I give myself a break at night. I give myself time to decompress and start over in the morning. And I feel so much more mentally refreshed. I sleep better because I'm not closing my laptop at 1030 and trying to go to bed at 1045. And so it's, it's a, it's a tough lesson to learn, but I've just learned to kind of reprioritize things. And I use a, a, a pro, um, project management software called Asana. And that's how I keep track of everything because it allows me to prioritize, but also see that full list that I can, you know, prioritize, move things around as we need to. And so that is, to me, is really important. And I'm trying to make my family a priority too, and myself a priority, because I believe that, you know, you truly need to put at the airplane, you need to put your oxygen mask on first, because if you can't breathe, nobody else is going to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I really do try to factor in those little things that might be a 30 minute workout. And sometimes that's in the morning, sometimes it's in lunch over the lunch hour, sometimes it's you know what I've got, I'm going to pick them up from school sweaty because I've just jumped. I, it is what it is, yeah. but that keeps my sanity. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and working from home too, that's any way I can get a break to just take a 10 minute walk outside around the neighborhood and come back. And especially on those big writing days where I'm trying to create a lot of content, that break is just huge. And so it's really funny to say, I do less to do more, mm-hmm. but I have, I've kind of found attempted to find this happy medium of continuing to fuel myself and allow myself to grow while also busting my butt while I am in front of my computer. Mm. Now that's, that's really valuable. I think because a lot of, I think there's been this culture for a while of just going hard, getting it done, you know, this mm-hmm. hustle, I'm putting that in air quotes again, you know, you've just got to keep going and keep going and get it all done. And then at the expense of what, you know, your mm-hmm. relationships, your health, um, you know, everything falls apart. So it's awesome to hear that you've got that, that sort of balance that works for you because um, oh, I'm just reminded of this, I, you know, when you see, you're scrolling Instagram and you see things come up and you, mm-hmm. you just pause for a moment and then you keep going. There was, there was one the other day about we've started to see rest as, or well, we have been seeing rest as a reward rather than a thing that's actually required to to keep us sane, to keep us healthy, to increase productivity. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's there's another little shift going on where people are saying, "Hang on a minute, this isn't sustainable. We can't we can't keep doing this." <laughs> right, and when when we're working from home, there's no separation between work and home at that point. So mm. you might change rooms, but you're still in the same scenario. And so, you know, for for I think for all of us, if you've got to find that, that, that space to just step away. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what I've, I've started doing at work too, though. When, um, when I first started working from home full-time, um, you know, I'd get up and do the dishes or I'd throw in a little laundry or something like that. Yeah. And now I've just said, nope, laundry happens on Saturday. Yeah. If you need something washed beforehand, throw it in, like it can sit there or you wash it yourself. Yeah. But it's one of those where I'm not distracting myself with other tasks yeah, trying not to distract myself with that. It's focusing on when I'm at work, I try to just do it like I'm at an office. Like I'm at work, yeah. I'm working. Yeah. And so that way I'm not the dishes get done at the end of the day or when I make lunch or whatever that might be. So yeah. just trying to define those little compartmentalize the best we can, which I know 
that's maybe not our best skill as women. Yeah, but I think you it's really, really good what you're saying about like setting those boundaries, even though we are at home. That doesn't mean we have to be in like mum mode and you know, mm-hmm. set the set the washing machine and quickly go hang it out because it's a nice day, you know. Right. Like, yeah, you're right. Keeping that the cup compartmental. I can't say that word. <laughs> yeah, compartmental. Well, and it's go. hard. I mean, you're you're creative as well. I mean, it's when you're in a creative space, you really do have to focus because if you start to think, oh, well, the dishes are dirty. Oh, I just heard the dishwasher go off. I'll go empty that. You can't, you really, I, I mean, I work in the house by myself, but I still put my headphones in because it just blocks out all that um, ancillary noise and allows me to focus because I can't write if I'm, hearing the garbage truck drive by and all yeah. those things and so it's it, when sometimes you just when you're in that creative headspace you need to just sort of shut the world out the best way you can mm. yeah that's it isn't it yeah that's cool mm. Listening to The Art of Being a Mum with my mum, Alison Newman. One of the lovely topics I love to talk about with all my mums is mum guilt. And I realise that it comes in all forms or it may not come at all. And that's great. That's one of the great things about talking about it. So what's your thoughts on mum guilt, Amy? I think it I think it is alive and well, at least in my house. And I I, I have, I mean, it, it ranges from you just lose your patience with them and you, you snap and you're like, okay, that was probably not the best move by me, but also you were being really horrible and I can't take it anymore mm-hmm. to um, the fact that sometimes you have to say, Hey, but I got to finish this. This needs to be done for work. When I'm done, I'll come play with you, whatever that might be insert activity here. Mm-hmm. And it's, but it's alive and well, and it's, it's really interesting. So I do a lot of um, chats on my Instagram stories and I talk a little bit about the mom guilt and how that is tough on days when it snows, it's a snow day and you're stuck at home with your kid and they've watched three movies by 2 PM. And that's, it, it is what it is. I mean, I think we're all fine. We've probably done that somewhere along in our lives, but that, that mom guilt is alive and well. And I, I've had a couple of people say, well, you're just imagining the mom guilt. It doesn't need to exist. My kids watch TV today too. And I didn't feel bad about it. Like, well, that congratulations to you. I'm really, that is fantastic that that's how you can run your household and that's how you feel. And that's, that's fine. This is how I feel. And you're right. It does. You do, do give me a dose of confidence to say that I need to be easier on myself. I appreciate that. But I think that's the, the interesting part of being a mom. And, you know, my mom, my mom, and I talk a lot about how being a mom has shifted so much since she went, since I was little till now, because a, a lot of the, you know, in, from her perspective, a lot of these women's movement movements have really taught us to take care of each other mm. versus fight each other when it really comes down to it. And so I, I do think the mom guilt looks a little different. You know, I, I, I joke that, um, you know, we, we, the cookies come out of the little package that you buy from the store and you put them on the, the pan. And my mother takes my son and makes them with the mixer and the whole nine yards. And like, this is mm-hmm. how mom does them. This is how Grammy does them. And they're both okay. Yeah. And that's okay. And we go do this where you guys don't do that. It's just, it's truly one of those things. And 
I, I think the challenge is probably getting out of our own heads. Mm. There's so much us feeling like we need to put ourselves in this box and whatever that might be, or, our, you know, we, we see people on Instagram who, you know, cut their children's sandwiches into fun shapes and sizes every day. And then they also take them to the zoo, but somehow they work full time and then they go and you're like, how, how do you possibly make dinner and go to the zoo and go to work from, you know, nine to five and then cut their sandwiches to look like, you know, the, the Taj Mahal, like, I don't understand how this works. <laughs> and so yeah, I think it's just, it's setting our own perspectives of what we're able to do and what we just have to let go. And like, when I was in school, we ate takeaway a lot because it was like, okay, well, we have peanut butter and jelly, uh, pancakes, eggs, or we can go down the street and get a salad. And that's just, that's yeah. just where we live. We lived for two years because, you know, it was, that was what we had time for. And that's just how sometimes that works and we're all going to be okay for it. Mm. You know, I joke that I never ate a blueberry that was not in a muffin until I went to college and I still turned out. Okay. I <laughs> eat blueberries now. It's fine. I'm a reasonably healthy human. You know, it's, it's one mm. of those where we all have to just give ourselves a little bit of a break. And I don't know, what is, what's your perspective on mom guilt? Because I think you said everyone's take is different. Oh, I hate it. I wish it would never existed because I think mm-hmm. that I feel like I get, I get a bit, I start to get a bit passionate about things. I'll try and curtail myself, but <laughs> I feel like it's an excuse for mums to be bashed on. Basically. I feel like, I mean, I feel like it has its place in some regards, like it's almost like a little voice that might help you decide what's important to you or how you're tracking mm-hmm. in that time. Like, um, uh, like if, if I don't, I don't call it the devil on your shoulder, but like the little voice in your ear that might say, um, no, you know, you've been out four times this week. You probably should be home tonight. But then the other side says, well, actually, you've got a show on at the moment, so you're rehearsing for it, so this is important to you. So you go, okay, that's fine. But then another time the voice might go, well, actually, you haven't put your child to bed this week because you've been out um, going to the movies or catching up with friends. And then you go, oh, actually, that's true. Maybe I should slow down a bit. You know, so situations or whatever, every, everyone's different in different things, and which is awesome. But I, I feel like it's an excuse for mums to get a bad deal or the raw end of the deal. It's like you are allowed to do things for yourself and it's very mm-hmm. important that you do things for yourself. Um, and it's up to you and your family to work out where that line is, I suppose, of what's manageable for you guys, mm-hmm. I think. And that you're right. When you look at social media, I feel like it's it's a, it's an opportunity to compare and to feel judged and to be mm-hmm. and to judge others because I feel like as mums we're really we're really bad at judging. Like we judge mm-hmm. each other. It's, I'm mm-hmm. not talking about, you know, just people that don't have children judge us. We judge each other. Um, so that would be good if we stopped doing that. Um, but yeah, we, we compare ourselves a lot and we've got to remember that the lives that we see on Instagram are generally a very curated version of that person's life. Absolutely. So we, and everyone has a different, you know, um, level of support lives in a different part of the world has a different cultural background everyone has different values of what's important to them and different styles of mothering so no, no two of us are exactly the same so we can't compare ourselves you know no that's um, a, an excellent perspective really truly 
Yeah, I think it just does more more harm than good. It really does, and, and, it, it. And, it, <laughs> and it makes no one feel any better, right? I just, yeah. I, I, it always sticks in my mind when, when Rory was little, he was, I, I really didn't take any time to stop working. I mean, I had a C-section at 7 p.m. because I was in labor for 24 hours, and a C-section at 7 p.m. My mom stayed with me that night because my husband had to be at a meeting with customers the next morning. Oh, and so, you know, what I, so we had a woman come in and help us, help me at night or like three nights a week, just so I could sleep yeah, um, because yeah. he didn't, he did not sleep at all. He was a crazy little human. Um, but uh, I had one of my friends from, from back in Phoenix say to me, must be really nice uh, to have all this help. And I said, well, you know, in all fairness, I don't have any family help. And my husband's gone 50 to 60% of the time. So I need a break. I can't, I can't do it all. And so like, I appreciate you dropping that judgment on me, but I don't have any, a lot of, a ton of support. So I have to pay for my support. So that's just, that's what I'm, that's the situation I'm in. And I would love to have a husband who is home all the time to also help and have my mom around the corner, but yeah. that just wasn't feasible. And so you're right though, as we step back and look at what everyone does, and how we handle all the things we we need to appreciate and understand that there are a lot of other pieces that we don't that we don't see and mm. you know I I say I joke that my your your children's school might be the same way we're not allowed to have we're no longer allowed to have homemade treats brought in so oh, for birthdays really? or things we are oh, not allowed yes. to have homemade yep. treats yep so they all have to be individually packaged and from a from an external source. Yep. That's yep, the I'm best it. thing that's ever happened to me in my life because <laughs> I'd be making the, the sad, like blue frosting cookies. It'd be, I mean, that's like the best thing that's ever happened to me because, yep. uh, you know, my mom talks all about how, you know, she is a working mom who had two kids in both in activities. And my dad went to work at five 30 in the morning and came home at seven o'clock and she was doing homework and all the things mm-hmm. and how it will be some sort of something. And she had to make something she was like, okay, well, where in my spare time, you know, she shows up, my mom's a fabulous baker, but you know, she shows up with some cookies or something and someone else shows up with this Barbie castle of the cake. <laughs> She's like, well, here's, here's my sad cookies, you know? And where she said, it's just, it, 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 things have shifted so much. And there's certain things that have, she also didn't have Amazon or food mm-hmm. grocery delivery. Um, yeah. That might be the only reason I survived with a newborn was Amazon delivery. Cause I would never remember to order diapers till 2 AM when you're sitting in the chair going, Oh, please just go to sleep and crap. We're out of diapers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The world has changed for the better in some ways. <laughs> just, just there, there are definitely things that make it a little bit better. So there's that. Yeah. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. When you said before about you compared like that your son can go with your mom and do some baking, I feel like it's something we forget as mums that's really important that when we're not with our children, if he's with your mum, that's a really important thing for him to be doing too. You know, we can't give them everything. And this might even sound like I'm trying to justify having other people look after my children, but it's, it's really important for them to create relationships that don't involve us. Um, absolutely and so good for for that other person too to have that relationship with your child 
It is. And it's, it's hard. It's really hard to sometimes, and I don't know about your boys, but mine is like, would be glued to my hip all day, every day. If he could be, he just like always wants to be with mom, which I, I appreciate. And one day he's going to be 15 and want nothing to do with me. He wasn't going to want to go fishing with dad or something. But, um, I do think, I, I think about the times that I value where I spent time with my, my grandparents and how much fun I had watching the golden girls and putting on a face mask with my grandma who took her dentures out, you know, she didn't have any teeth and she had, we sat at a great old time. And that was, I think that is so important. And I think that gives them a different perspective too. You know, it's, it gives them something to come back and talk about because there are going to be things that grandmas and grandpas say, or have a different perspective on, or think in a different way. Mm. And it's a good thing to talk about like what we, what we do as a family versus all the things, but it's true. Everyone gives, everyone brings a different value to their life. Mm. And just like we can't, we can't do it all as individuals, we can't bring all the things to them. And so for them to go learn that and just, and I I think I had to step back at one point and I really hated, you know, my, my mother-in-law is so sweet. She takes my son now to school almost every morning. And I hated feeling like I was saying, could you, do you want to take him to school? Cause like, it was a favor to me. And I, but I had to step back and say, this is awesome for her. She's loving. She gets him by himself mm-hmm. for 20 minutes in the car in the morning. And they talk about things from classical music to trees and things that I would probably not talk about in the car with him. Mm-hmm. And she loves it. It helps me. And so I, I, I was once again, stepping way back from the mom guilt. She's so happy she can help because she knows what it's like. Mm-hmm. She can take that piece and that's something she can do and do well. And it's just, it's, it is, you have to step back sometimes and say, I, I gotta, I've got to give you, give you the distance. Right. And, mm. and I had a girlfriend when, when Rory was born, who said to me, if you do your job, right at 18 years old, your child will move out of your house and never move back in. And you have to make decisions sometimes based on knowing that that is a future, a future mm. forward thinking, forward thinking, where you might have to say, you know what? I'm kind of uncomfortable letting you go play in the backyard by yourself, but you know what? Just go do it and say where I can hear you. But those little pieces of freedom then give them that onus to continue to grow. And I say this as a person with a three and a half year old. So people <laughs> with 25 year olds, don't judge me because I'm, I, I'm, you know, I have a three and a half year old and I'm just, we're all doing the best we can. So send pointers if your kids are still alive at 25, because I don't know how I'm going to make it that far, but um, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's, it is going back to that letting other people teach them things. And some of those things might be not what you want them to learn. Right. I mean, you know, it's not ideal that, you know, grandpa takes him for ice cream and then gives them candy at the grocery store and drops them back off at home. And you're like, well, thanks a lot, but it's part of, it's part of the things that they do. And it's part of that sort of thing that they're going to have a build a memory and Mm. maybe learn why you shouldn't eat candy and ice cream on an empty stomach and that's you don't feel so good later either so yeah that's you know, a, there's always a lesson in there somewhere <laughs> there's always a lesson in there somewhere and our mothers were always right that's oh, uh, I mean, yeah how funny <laughs> yeah oh, I love that I've got so many oh my gosh my dad with my children it's like he's I don't recognize him sometimes because he's such a different grandparent to what he was as a father just so much mm-hmm. more relaxed and easygoing and the stuff that would have you know, got him all rolled up when we were kids. It's like, ah, whatever. Like, I remember one day my, my sister and I were sitting there watching going, who is this man? Like, and it's wonderful. It's so lovely. It's to fantastic. Like yeah. It's, it's, so it's I, 
I just remember one of my parents' friends saying like, my grandchildren keep me young and keep me alive and keep me going because it is, it's that whole new lease on life that is this little ball of energy or multiple balls of energy if you have extra more than one kiddo. Mm -hmm. And it's just so neat to see them. I mean, my mother wears, wears him out. <laughs> she's in her and she's in her her mid 60s and yeah. he's he's zonked out at three and a half and she's like hold on i'm gonna keep going let me go make dinner and we're gonna make cookies and he's like <laughs> he's at it <laughs> yeah i love that that's so cool it's awesome i think yeah. it's so great things I really love talking to mums about is the concept of their own identity and how that might have been challenged um, and changed when you actually had a child. Did you sort of go through some shifts in how you saw yourself? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. And I think it's something that people don't talk enough about mm. because I do feel like there is this weird, there is this weird shift. And I, I it's funny because um, when I was, when I first started telling some people I knew um, in a leadership program I was in um, that I was pregnant, one of the guys said to me, how are you going to raise two babies at once being a business and your child? And I was like, well, I really haven't thought about it, but to be all in all fairness, I'll figure it out. That's what I've done with everything else in my life. I'll figure it out. Mm. And then you start to watch as you know, people kind of talk to you about well, how's a baby going to impact your career? And finally, I just got tired of it. And it was just, I just, I started doing my smart ass answers of, well, why don't you ask my husband how it's going to impact his career? <laughs> like, why are you asking me? And yes, I understand that I am the primary parent and that I am the one who does all the things we all, that's just how most women handle life. Right. Mm. But I was like, please stop that. That's not fair to me. It's not fair to my child. Um, and it is, it's hard it's hard to figure out kind of where you fit in there because I'm not a, I'm not a mom who's probably going to wear the, the shirt with my kid's face on it. Um, you know, and that's just, that's just not me. There's a mom for every type of person. And I appreciate and respect all of those that do. Um, and I really do because I, I think we all own it, how we own it. Mm. And for me, it was really important to continue to work and continue to push and actually had a meeting with a, a friend last week and, and she's in um, an investment group and we were, I was talking to her and she said, it's just, she said, I'm a better mother when I drop my child off to school and I go to work. And I said, me too. That's just how I operate. Um, that's how I was raised though. I was, I don't know anything really different. Mm. And, but I said, do you remember that one, that first time when you got out and you went, you dropped your kid off with left him with dad or babysitter, whatever that grandparent, when they were little and you went out and you went to a meeting or something and you got in the car and you were like, yes, I still have it. I can still do this. <laughs> she was like, I do remember that moment. Yeah. And I said, that to me was that moment of like, okay, I don't have to completely get rid of one to be the other. Mm -hmm. And I, you can be all the things. And what I've tried to, to, to step back and look at is having a child has made me a better worker. It's made me a better boss. It's made me 
a better investor, a better board member, all these things, because I've been able to have sympathy to a certain perspective. And I think COVID has also taught us all that mm-hmm. in general, but it allows me to put a perspective and a spin on things that really, it puts things as we kind of talked about earlier, it puts everything in perspective. And there's something that says, you know, why is that? Why are we even arguing about this? This is silly. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and X, Y, Z. And so I really do feel like it's stepping back and being able to own what I'm good at and be good at what I'm good at and still attempt to be a good mom mm-hmm. and, but not let the, any of that define me. I think it comp, they all complement each other, yeah. but I try not to let any of those pieces define me. And I think I learned that really early in my career. Um, I had some pretty rough female bosses for a while, including one who fired me and then fired the subsequent two other women she hired after me to fill my position. Um, And I just realized that that was a huge identity loss for me because I was my job. Mm -hmm. And I, I think at that point, I realized that I can't ever truly make myself synonymous with anything. I want to try to be able to always be my own person mm-hmm. and I want to be Amy, but I also am happy to be Rory's mom and Reagan's wife and last night's game co-founder and sister to uh, Scott, my last night's game co-founder and a daughter and all those things, mm-hmm. because all of us have all of those facets. It's just how you own it. And, and I, it works for me. It might not work for somebody else. And I think that continues to go back to the the point where we continue to be sympathetic to each other and understand that it truly takes all of us to make the mom world go da- go around. And the more we can support each other, the better off we can be. And it also makes, I, I don't know, to me, it's nice to hear someone say, man, I lost, I, I, I lost it on my kids this morning. The drop-off was rough. And you're like, mine too. Okay, I'm not the only one who's crazy. Okay, thank you. (laughs) And I I think there's some sort of community in that of saying, okay, it's hard for you too. Okay, I appreciate that because that means I'm not crazy. (laughs) And I I think it's that continue of stepping back and looking at the real life situations versus the Instagram perfect stuff. Mm. Because that is, right, that's, we're really a community of like-minded same people when it comes yeah. to motherhood. We all look a little different and one, one faster or another, but ultimately we're all still trying to do the same thing. And we're all probably feeling guilty about something similar. And we're probably getting driven crazy about something similar. And so, and we all just want our kids to eat their fruit and vegetables <laughs> and, grow up to be, and grow up to be good humans, you know, like that's yes. get a decent job, be a good human. Yep. Eat some vegetables it. and some fruit so so you can you know live a long life i mean yeah that is it i love it i don't yeah. know how about you like what's your what's your take on that i'm, oh. I'm intrigued from your perspective well look uh, the thing about being honest with each other is something that i find really intriguing because i'm the sort of person that i tell things how it is i'm extremely honest um you know i've been really open in sharing different parts of my life um I've had experience with mental health issues and I've talked about that openly a lot. And I think it's important to talk about stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember when I went to my first, we have this thing over here called mother's group. When you have a baby, they put you in a group of all the people that had babies at the same time. And so you don't know these people. They're just random people. Um, The only thing in common is that your babies were born, you know, within a day or two of each other. 
And I remember sitting with this bunch of women the first time and everyone had to go around and talk about their baby and everyone seemed to be just perfect. Everything was going great for everybody. And I just thought, what is going on here? Like, am I the only person whose baby wakes up after 45 minute naps? Am I the only person who's having trouble establishing breastfeeding? Mm -hmm. Like I thought, what the hell is going on here? So I did say a little bit of stuff. And when I said that, one of the other ladies sort of, I could see her look at me like, oh, thank God you said that because now I feel mm-hmm. like I can say that, you know. And then the more we talked, it all came out. And I think people have this idea that you've got to, I don't know, set up your the way people see you has got to be a certain way and it has to be right and you can't let any, like, cracks show. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas that's never bothered me, I think. You know, I've always thrived on, like, really deep, honest relationships and really good honest talks and that's why I love doing this too because I get to talk to people in really good under the surface ways um yeah so it's like my sister at the moment like her daughter is a year almost exactly a year younger than my little fella who's six nearly six and a half and um we just compare drop-off stories like you're just talking about like oh, I couldn't get them in the car this morning and I told her to put her socks on. And I'm like, yeah, I know I had that with the shoes, you know, and being honest Mm -hmm. with each other and not sitting there going, oh, everything went perfect for me. And then making the other mum feel like a a failure, Mm -hmm. you know. We got to support each other, support each other and have each other's back. (laughs) Yeah, and I would also say on the the flip side of that is um, to really celebrate each other. And that Mm. is something, it's interesting. I have a, a group of girlfriends from my MBA class. And I, I should say that I traveled out of state every other week um, to Chicago for my MBA. So I, I really like, my husband was primary parent and that was a whole shift for us. Luckily it was COVID and he, that doesn't sound right. Not luckily it was COVID. Yeah, but luckily <laughs> because of COVID, he wasn't traveling. So um, he was a primary parent. So I really got a chance to actually embrace and make friends sort of outside of my family too, because I wasn't having to rush home to, to them as well but I have a group of girlfriends that were on the same text message group. And to this day, that's the one where you go to, if you have a big win, like, Hey, I got a promotion. Mm -hmm. And this group is so on board with, you know, I think women are so um, humble in the sense that we don't celebrate our own victories. Mm -hmm. We love to celebrate others. And so, but I love this group because it's like, Hey, I got a promotion. Oh my God, you guys, I just landed this or whatever that might be. And I love that that group is very much, you don't feel uncomfortable celebrating or telling your victories. Mm. And I think that's something, you know, I really strive to do is seek out these things that my friends have done and, um, and celebrate them. And I'm a huge fan of snail mail. Mm -hmm. I love sending greeting cards, the more inappropriate, the better. (laughs) Um, And so I have a whole entire box in my desk. That's like, I don't know, probably 200 cards that when I find ones I like, I buy them Yeah. because I just, I love that little act of recognition of who doesn't love to get mail. I mean, it goes mm. back to like the day when you had a pen pal, right? Yeah. 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 And so um, I just love that. And I love celebrating other people because everyone works really hard. I don't care if you're a mom, you're a dad, you don't have kids, you're a dog mom. I don't care. You, everyone works their butts off. And so if we can celebrate even these little wins, whatever that might be. Um, you worked out five days in a row. You ate a carrot today. I don't, whatever. I sound like I'm just I have some sort of weird health nut, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> you finished a whole bottle of wine. Let's celebrate Woo-hoo! that. I mean, you know, I think 
there's just, I, I just, I, there's life is so serious and so full. So being mm. honest and then, then also owning your stuff that you are awesome. Yeah. And it's great for you to be here to see this and let's celebrate you. And I encourage you, if you haven't, there's um, the Today Show, which is like one of the morning TV programs here um, on our, one of our big networks here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, two of the, there's two morning anchors and they're both females. Yeah. And they were both just this last weekend inducted into the, the Hall of Fame for broadcasting. Oh, wow. And the one lady, her name is Hoda Kapi. And she gave this speech and talked a lot about um, how really everybody, these people, the celebrities that she's interviewed who are so astoundingly accomplished, don't feel, these women don't feel like they're worth it. She oh. doesn't feel like she's worth it. And so let's talk about how we need to earn it because you're worth it. And she went through this whole four minute speech and it's, it's quick, but it's so well done that I actually bookmarked it on my Instagram mm-hmm. because it's one of those things when you need a pep talk, that's that speech where you are worthy, you are worth it. And so celebrate you. And that, I mean, maybe that goes back into the mom guilt thing, full circle mm-hmm. of, we have to just give ourselves a break sometimes and celebrate the little victories in our day. You know what? Our kid had underwear on today. <laughs> Some days that is harder than others. So yeah. let's just call that a win. We have underwear on. We think we might have two shoes on. They may not match and they may not even be the right feet. <laughs> yeah. My son is known, known to go out in like a rain boot and flip-flops. And so it's, uh, I mean, yeah, we That's just, so you know, we, we, we just celebrate those victories that we have and the beauty we can find in our own little worlds of, you know, just stop and figure out what that might be. And, mm. and you know, sometimes that's a 15 minute time to 15 minutes to sit down with your kiddo and read a book. And that might be all you have that day, mm-hmm. but it's still 15 minutes of book time and QT. So, you know, yeah. 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 No, that's so true. Um, over here in Australia, we have this, it's a, a terrible part of our culture. I feel like it is slightly getting better, but it's not really. Um, it's a, the tall poppy syndrome about, you know, if anyone else is doing really good around you, you've got to cut them down and bring them back to mm-hmm. the same level as everyone else. And that's been a massive part of Australian culture for a very long time. Um, and I think that that's lent itself to the fact that people don't like to talk themselves up because they don't want sure. to be seen um, as being, you know, doing well and maybe being, better at something than someone else because people will pull them down they'll say oh yeah mm-hmm. but what about this yeah, you know um yeah and I don't know I, I remember years ago because I've I've been singing my whole life and we have our town's only what 30,000 people so you're going to get in the newspaper at some point if you're living mm-hmm. in Gambia. You're going to get in there at some point. Hopefully and, for something good. <laughs> oh, yeah, not in like the court pages or something. <laughs> but um, because I've been in singing for a long time, I've done a lot of public events and fundraisers and different community things. So I've been in the paper a lot. And early on, um, one of my singing teachers said to me, make sure you cut your, cut your articles out. Don't be vain and like don't be scared to cut them out and keep them because she said no one else is going to do that for you mm-hmm. um and you know I thought oh I feel a bit funny you know oh look this is me this is me but it's like I'm so glad that I have them now because I I have mm-hmm. them in this little folder and every now and then if I'm looking through the cupboard to find something else I'll see them like oh look at me and then I'll show the kids and it's like it's so nice to have that so and you, you worked hard to, to earn that yourself. yeah absolutely that's it. Yeah. I mean, no one's going to be proud pr- of yourself. <laughs> right. I mean, our parents can be really proud of us if, if that's what the, their, their verbiage they use, but 
you've got to be proud of yourself. And I, that's something I, I think also comes with age. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I when I that. hit, when I hit 40, I all of a sudden just grew a pair that I didn't really know I had Yeah, and, and just learned to be okay with stuff mm. and stop yeah. trying to fit in the mold of exactly what something should be or shouldn't be. And I, you know, sort of tried to just let some stuff go. And I mean, I was always envious of older, like actresses when you would hear them in interviews say, well, as I got older, I just learned not to give a crap. Mm. And I think that is like, what a great place to be. And, and so, you know, if someone's listening and they're, they're younger and feeling unsure, you've got this, you mm. own it because guess what you've, what you're going to have at 40 is what you're going to have at 30. You're going to be a little bit more, a little bit wiser, but own it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, clip your, clip your, you're right. Clip your newspaper articles and save them because that's really cool. It's an awesome accomplishment to be able to do something so magnificent. And it may mean nothing to you. It may be nothing to you, but mm. you know, you gotta remember that sometimes your lowlights are someone's highlights. Like they, mm. you know, someone, someone really, yeah, it's always perspective. So celebrate you and put it on, blow it up and put it on the wall. If that's what you're into, do it. Why not? <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. If that's what gets you out of bed, do it. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that 40 year old thing. It's like, ugh. The amount of women I've spoken to that have said that same thing, it's it's a thing. You, honestly, you just go, nah, do not care. Do it, you know, I don't know. You just. Life's too short. I don't, I don't have time for this. Yeah. I mean, we we looked at a school for the tiny human for starting like pre-K and kindergarten. And one of the schools is known to to have sort of a bit more of a uh, catty mom group. And uh-huh. um, I was bullied in when I, in all of through middle school. And so I joked to my husband, I'm like, I'm going to need to go to therapy to send our child to that school because I'm not going to make it. Yeah. And it turned out that there were a lot of things that made that school not, not work for us. But I just thought, why? I don't mm. want anything to do with any of that. Yeah. I really don't care. My husband, and I don't care if that's, if you want to talk shit about us, then go for it. Have mm. at it, but leave my kid alone. Yeah. And we'll be fine. But it's just, it's one of those are like, why? Yeah. That's, this just drama, seems like way too like much work. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, well, I've so many times in my life, I've, I have this saying, if something, something's gone down and I'm like, I'm not in high school anymore. Like this, I'm beyond mm-hmm. this. This is not, this is not worthy of my time. It's not something I want to spend my energy on. You guys go for it and do what you got to do, but I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to toilet paper my house, just like high school. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it is odd, what it is. It? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a funny thing. try to talk a lot about and where I've sort of started to try to own on my own perspective is to support young women coming up through their careers because you know I think I mentioned it earlier that I I had some I had a one or two great female bosses but I really struggled with bosses and, and male bosses too and so you know what what I kind of try to do myself is be a resource and that is to the babysitters who come and watch the munchkin, you know, is it 
one, two of them are getting married and they're like, can you look at my registry? Can I ask you this work question? How do I ask for a raise? I mean, mm. whatever that might be, I, I just want to be that resource because I, I think far too often women are not um, really set up or we don't really do mentors like men do. Mm. And I, yeah. I think that's something that we as women who are further along in our career and our talents that we can do, we can provide some perspective. And I think that perspective might just be the same as this isn't high school, this isn't worth it type of thing too. So yeah, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Because I think because the business world has been a man's world for so long, they've they formalized this mentor stuff and it's been something they do. And it's like we've got to try and find ways to do it because it's so important. It is really important. And I think about me growing up, like all I learned from my mum about my job was how to dress and how to answer the phone and how um just you know that sort of stuff not how to like you say ask for a raise how to you know communicate with people in your workplace it was all the how to type how to answer the phone you know so yeah I think that is so so important well and I think the honest the honest side of things and you know I think that it's giving reviews and giving honest feedback in areas where people really can work on things and Mm. and grow and evolve so all those things is continuing to give positive but constructive feedback and and being honest and that's one thing that's really funny we we're kind of out of our friend our friends here we're sort of on the the older end and the first to have children whereas in other places we were kind of at the tail end of it mm-hmm. and we've had friends who had kids who say can we go to dinner with the two of you because I know you'll give us the honest feedback about parenting and pregnancy and all of that stuff and like sure that's yeah. what we're here for I'm not going to pretend that you know, pregnancy and newborns are all like puppies and babies in a toilet paper commercial. Like they're not all fluffy and it's not all perfect. <laughs> yeah. And so here's some perspective. I want you to know that it's fantastic, but it's also tough. Mm-hmm. There's going to be tough times where, you know, my husband would say, well, you know, it took me a long time, a little while to get like, really feel like I bonded with the baby and all those things. But all that stuff is things I, I think are things that people don't talk about. Once again, mm-hmm. going back to your baby class, yeah. And it's all normal. And so it maybe won't happen to you, but if it does know that that's okay and know that that's normal and your hormone fluctuations, whatever that might be. So, mm. you know, it's really, truly mm. pick up that next generation, but be honest to not, maybe not to, to a fault, but provide some honest feedback and constructive criticism of work. If that's where that, that relationship lies and, and truly being, um, because I think that's going to set us all up for success when it comes down to it yeah absolutely yeah good on you So you can find uh, last night's game at lastnightsgame.com. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as LinkedIn. And uh, I run our Instagram account. So all the stories are kind of behind the scenes of the life of of a founder or female founder. And so you'll see the tiny human uh, running around probably with, you know, his rear end hanging out and uh, (laughs) on his scooter in the front yard. Um, You start from there to um, a little bit of everything. So Instagram is definitely a really fun place for us to, to share our story 
And like I said, lastnightsgame.com. And then we're, uh, our podcast is Sports Curious and we are on all major podcast platforms and we come out on that releases on Wednesdays mm-hmm. and it's about a five minute podcast. Very rarely do we go over five minutes. So I'm here to make sure that your life is short, sweet and out the door and you can get on your way with all the other very important things you have going on in life. <laughs> I love that. That is so awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Amy. It's been this a pleasure. It's been really thank lovely you. chatting with you. Yeah, thanks. Well, for thank that. you. I look I look forward to uh to making a visit your way uh here in the next year. Yeah. Well, if you ever if you ever nearby, yell out. <laughs> I will for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for your company today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to consider leaving us a review, following, or subscribing to the podcast or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.